Well, praise God, man. I'm glad y'all are back again for another week for session four. Wow, this is good. I'm glad y'all have been been just on top of this thing. So I pray that it's just been blessing you. So get your Bibles out, get your notes out, get ready, because we're going to spend here a little bit of time and go in, into the word some more and just tear it up. Man, I'm just believing God's going to set everyone free around this world. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. So Heavenly Father, I just praise you for tonight. I thank you, Lord God, as we go on session four tonight and we begin to preach and declare the word. I just thank you, Lord, it's just going to penetrate every home. Lord, I just believe you people around the world are hearing this message on salvation and the spirit of life. And that, Lord, you're transforming families, you're transforming children, you're transforming, Lord, people all over this world with this message, the great message, the good news of salvation. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight that especially tonight, Lord God, that as people listen, their hearts just begin to burn for you. Lord, that they they see you like they've never seen you before. That Jesus, you become so real, so tangible to them. That, Lord, they can feel your presence right there in the home with them. Those that are worried about situations, worried about things going on in life, Lord, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will just come into their hearts and guard their minds and their hearts. That, Lord, you would just begin to just descend like a like a cloud upon their homes, their towns, their states, their their countries, Lord God. That people would yearn and long to be saved from the wrath of God, to be saved from this life of living in the curse. That, Lord, their bones would ache and they would yearn to just be in the presence of the living God. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight that these words, you, these, these words are not my words, but they're your words. They're words of power, words of faith, words of much assurance that will turn the people's hearts from the rattles into the living God. And Lord, I praise you for that. So no matter what I say tonight, no matter what scriptures I use, I just believe you, Lord God, that you get people right where they need to be with you. And Lord, that's what's so important. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Man, I'm excited tonight to share with you uh, another session here. You know, I've been going over this and I, it burns within me that 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 people know Jesus and can walk and have fellowship with him and just I, I, I'm grieved to see people going through trials and tribulations without the fellowship of God with their life to see people that are lost and undone and just making one dumb decision over the next dumb decision and just keep going down that same road and not getting any fruit any joy any peace any grace and they don't know what to do. And the answer is right in front of them. It's called Jesus. It's called Jesus. And so I, I, I really believe that this message and, you know, we're having people from all over the world sending us uh, emails and sending us uh, uh, letters saying that they're watching the broadcast and it's touching. Them. I encourage you, man, if this message is, is touching your heart. To send us an email, send us something so we can hear from y'all out there. But I really believe that God is using this to touch people's heart. It's simple. 
I'm not trying to make this complicated. I'm trying to make this so simple that, w- that we'll get it. And then finally, it'll just dawn on us and the light bulb will come on. So anyway, let's go to the word. So let's go to Romans chapter eight. That's where this whole spirit of life message is coming from. And after four sessions, I'm only down to verse three. So, I mean, you know, I got 14 to go or 14 total. So I guess 10 more after tonight. But Romans chapter eight, verse three. It says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. So what's he talking about here? Well, it's what I what I was talking about last week. When I said that the law came out there to show man, these 13 indictments came upon man to show man that they were guilty before God and that they couldn't, that in our flesh, our abilities, we could not do it. We would always are going to fail because the mark, it's perfection, it's holiness. And none of us can attain holiness by our our actions and our work. We're going to mess up. Somewhere along the line, you're going to mess up. Somewhere you're just going to have a bad hair day and you're going to blow it. You're not going to ever be able to walk and live out your entire life on this earth and be perfect. You can't do it. Yeah, I don't care how nice you are. I don't care if you go give candy out to everybody every day, bake cookies for everybody every day. You're going to mess up somewhere. Somebody's going to irritate you and you're going to have the tongue of an ass that's going to come out and get somebody and then you're guilty. Okay, so he says the law couldn't the law would have worked, but it couldn't work because it was dependent upon us doing it. And our flesh is weak. I don't know about y'all, but no matter how much I do, I mean, I can get pretty good in exercise and exercise program, get going pretty good. And then one day I don't want to do it. And I don't do it. And then the next day is harder to do it again because I didn't do it that day. And then I start coming up with excuses and then I don't want to do it. Same thing with a diet. You go along, you lose some weight, you're feeling good, you're looking better. And then one day you just want to eat all the ice cream you can possibly eat. And so it's the way it is with sin. You are going to blow it. You're not going to be able to walk and be perfect. I don't care who you are. That was the weakness of the law. God wasn't doing it to make man guilty. He was doing it to make man wise up and say, look, I'm going to write it all down. If you can do that, you can be holy. And there's people that think they can do it. I've learned a long time ago, just call calf rope. I can't do it. I'm going to mess up. So what's the alternative? Okay, Jesus. He said he came to condemn sin in the flesh, and to offer us grace. Now, grace is an amazing thing, and I'm going to get a little more into that in just a minute, but I just want to say something about grace. Grace is too good to be true in in, in your thinking. Grace is too amazing to just believe that there's a God, just like in the prodigal son story I told you last week, that would love a son even though he's wasted everything, even though he's been in the pig pen, even though he smells like a, a pig, even though he's, he's messed up, that he comes home and before the kid can even repent, really, and get everything out of his mouth, the father's already kissed him, he's already hugged his neck and reinstated him into sonship. Instantly. Had compassion on him. He saw him off the porch, ran down the road to him, 
ran over there and kissed him and gave him everything back. That's what grace does. Grace is that amazing force that comes running at you and overwhelms you the moment you sit there and say, I cannot in my strength or my ability do this. I have to have the power of God. Lord, I need you in my life. Boom, the spirit of life comes on the inside of you. And now you're in the, I could call it the country of grace. That's where you're living. So I want to go back just a minute to the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I want to start this time in verse 25, and I want us to look at the older brother. Because, see, the younger brother, he ran off, but the older brother, he stayed home. And so I want to look at this here. So I'm in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. It says, now his older son was in the field, and as he came, he drew near the house. He heard the music and the dancing. So just stop right there for a minute. Just imagine this. I mean, here's this kid who was only going to come home. All he wanted to do is come home and basically put into the servants' quarters. But man, they throwed a party. They killed the fatted calf. There's music and dancing. The father's all dancing. He's doing his dance because his son's home. The son's dancing because he's back to being a son and he ain't eating pig feet. All the servants are happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's going on. But here's this older brother. He's out in the field working. He's like, here's this music. What is it going on? Nobody told me about a party. So he came to the house. He drew near the house. He heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants. And he asked, what these things meant. So he's talking to the servant. He's just got one of the, the wait staff, right? It's going by. Maybe he's got a, maybe he's got a, a, a platter of drinks on there or something. It's walking by. And the, the older, older brother says, wait, 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 what's going on? They said, oh, your brother's come because he's received him safe and sound and your father's killed the fat calf. So right here we see the heart of the older brother. He was angry. He's not going in. Therefore, his father came out. Here again, you see the father coming out. The father came out, went out to the older brother, just like he went to the younger brother. He came out and he pleaded with him. So he answered and he said to his father, all these many years. See, now he's got a speech too, right? How many of you got a speech out there? You always give to the Lord, Lord, I don't know why these things are happening to me. I've done everything right. I've been living for you. I've been doing everything right, Lord. And I don't know why these things are happening to me. You got a speech that you give to the Lord? Okay. The younger brother had one. The older brother's got one. Lo, all these many years I've been serving you and never transgressed your commandment at any time. What? Excuse me? 13 indictments against mankind. And he's saying he never transgressed his commandment at any time. Not like I've never transgressed your commandments on holidays. No, he said, I never transgressed your commandments at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon, no, 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 let's stop it there. Do you see that? <laughs> he was looking at it, he said, this is a young goat. Not the fatted calf. Just the young old stinky goat. Right? He's willing to say, man, I just would have liked some cabrito. You know? And you never even got me even cabrito out here. But as soon as a son of yours 
who is, you know, she called him a son of his. He didn't say my brother. I mean, he's getting rid of this younger brother, man. He, he, he don't want nothing to do with him. He, he's thrown him to the dogs. But as soon as his son of yours came, who has devoured his livelihood with harlots and has killed the fatty calf. Now, how does he know he's devoured? He's done everything with harlots. He ain't seen him. Where did he get that idea? He just figured he was off doing it. I'll tell you where he got that idea. He got that idea because that's what he'd have done if he'd have done what the younger brother would have done. That's what was in his heart. If I was out there running rowdy, I'd have been out there at the harlots. That's what he's saying. He don't know he's been out there. He don't know what's going on. He hadn't gotten no report back or anything. And so he says, and you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said, son, now listen to this. It's the most beautiful words. You were always with me, and all that I have is yours. Wow. To think that God Almighty is saying that when you're saved, when you're born again, when Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your heart, all is yours. That's pretty crazy because... I don't think most Christians think that. All is yours? I think most Christians have this mentality. Now listen to me. This is going to be good preaching. I think most Christians have the mentality of the younger brother. Oh, I'm just happy that I'm in the kingdom of God. Just let me have my little cheese and crackers and, and I'll be quiet. I'll stay over in the corner. Just let me stay in the kingdom. I don't want to go to hell. Or they're like, God, why aren't you doing this for me? I've been doing this and I've been saying this. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been going to church. God, perfect attendance going on. I heard this preacher the other day and I, and I remembered this. My, my, my mother and father, they were Methodists, but my grandparents were Baptists. And so depending on who I stayed with, what church I went to, I was either going to go Methodist or I was going Baptist. And, uh, and so, you know, Baptists, God bless them. They're all big on Sunday school, Sunday school attendance. And in the old days, I don't know if they still do it, but in the old days, if you had perfect attendance at the Sunday school class, you got a pen. I don't know if any of y'all remember that or ever knew that, but you got, you got a pen of your attendance. And then, you know, as the years went by, you could get more pens. You wear the pens. You wear the pens proudly on your shirt, your jacket, the pen of perfect attendance. And so you got into this thing, you know, you look over there. Oh, look at him. He's a faithful attender. So, you know, I don't care how many pins you got on your jacket. Uh, that ain't going to cut the mustard with Jesus. Because here's the older brother saying, man, I've got perfect attendance. I've got all the pins. I've been doing it all right. And you never gave me even some cabrito to eat. And the father said, what are you talking about? All, all I have is yours. So he could have killed the fatted calf. He could have been eating fatted calf the whole time. He could have been doing all that, but no, 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 no. He didn't do that. Why? Because he didn't understand the principles of the kingdom of God. He didn't understand that salvation is not just about entrance into heaven, but it's about the spirit of life of Jesus Christ coming to live in us and we becoming the temples of the living God and the word of God and the promises of God and everything he has for us becoming ours because we've been taken out from under the curse. And we're over here in the kingdom of God system. 
Now, that doesn't mean things aren't going to happen. Doesn't mean there ain't going to be bad days. Doesn't mean there ain't going to be situations to go through. But you've got the whole kingdom backing you up. And the promises of God backing you up. So here's this old son. He says, he says, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. But it was right that I should make merry and be glad for your brother. Listen, was dead under the curse, under the sin. But now he's come home and he's repentant, so he's alive again. See again the story he's showing us. He was lost, lost in sin, lost under that original sin. But now, wait, look at him. He's found and he's in the kingdom of God. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. The prodigal son story is one of my favorite stories. It's like if I was on a, uh, you know, trapped in a desert island and only had one page of the scriptures or something, this would be something I would have to be contemplating if I just had Luke 15 to keep reading this because it's such a beautiful story what God has for us. So let's, let's carry this a little farther of, the, of what the older brothers, because I dealt with the younger brother last week and so the older brother this week about living under this, this work system. Because it said the older brother, he was out in the field. He was working. And he came in when they're having a party. So let's deal with this. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 1. Romans 4, 1. What's funny is right now in my head, it's like I can hear. It's like when Jesus was in a room and he said he could... He knew what they were thinking. It's like, I can hear what people are saying right now. They're saying, yeah, but I mean, don't I have to work to be, to, to, to be saved, to be right with God? No, you can't. You can only believe and be right with God. You can only by faith walk and be right with God. Let me get into that. It says in Romans 4.1, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. OK, so there's these two systems. Works and grace. If you step your little tiny toe into works, then you're in works. There's no way you can have one foot in works and one foot in grace. You're either trying to live by the law, trying to keep all the ordinances, trying to keep those 13 indictments off of you, trying to do everything you can, which is going to be failure. You're either doing it all or you're living over here in a life of grace. All right. Grace, meaning that you're not condemned. You're free. You're not guilty before God. You have the right to walk into the throne of God. You have the right to have fellowship with God. You have the right to be in your prayers to be answered. You have the right to go and to speak out in the courts of heaven. Those are your rights and privileges as a child of God. But if you live over here in works, then you got to keep the law. You're going to spend your whole time just trying to keep the law. That's all you're going to be able to do. All right. So if you're in grace, you say, okay, wait a minute, Pastor. I, 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 want to be, I want to live in grace, but I mean, we still have to do good things, don't we? Well, if you're living a life in grace, the way it should work is you want to do good things. 
I want to please God. I don't always please God. I make mistakes sometimes. I get I get concerned about stuff. I'll even say I get it over into start edging into worry at times. And I get over into this stuff. And then God reminds me, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not supposed to worry because you're taking care of everything. I don't always please God. I don't always make everything right. But I know and understand that because Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life, I'm under grace. That's what I'm under is this, this, this giant, I don't know what you'd call it, this giant cloud, this giant, you know, just like if it was the thickest fog in the world, but I could still see through it of grace around me. We saw that when the father jumped off the porch and ran to the son. We saw that when the elder brother was getting mad and the father going out to him and helping him in. Grace there. So it says Abraham... Now, Abraham was before the law, before Moses. Abraham became right with God because he believed in God. You become right with God because you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what gets you into righteousness. Let's look at this some more. Go down to verse 5, Romans 4, 5. It says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. I mean, see, folks, I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to tell you some fruit loop doctrine. I'm not trying to teach you some kind of something that doesn't, you know, that I, I just invented. I'm just preaching the word of God. It's what he says here. Him, but it, to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's just like, just like an accounting book. And most people, if you, if you, you know, I don't know how it works in QuickBooks. I don't understand QuickBooks really. But in the old ledgers, we had a ledger and you had columns and you had a red column and a black column. And you, that one was a debt, one was a credit. And if you were going down there, and you're, just imagine you're living your day. When you do something good, you get a credit. When you do something bad, you get a debt. And at the end of the day, then you tally it all up. You're always going to come up owing. But when you're living under grace, when at the end of the day it's tallied, Jesus says, it's, I paid for it. I paid for it. Paid for it on the cross. My blood paid for it. That's what grace is. The works that we do they're not really works. It's just called repentance. When we mess up, we repent. We say, God, I'm sorry. I, 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 but you're living under grace. So whoosh, it just washed away. You, you didn't go back to the original sin. That was already taken care of when you first got saved. I was saved 1985, July 1985. is when I gave my heart to the Lord. And at that moment, I know that I know that I know that I say, boom, whoo, man, I knew I was saved. I knew I stepped out of curse 
and stepped into grace. I didn't really understand it all. I didn't have this big revelation. I just knew I was in a bad place and I wasn't in that bad place anymore. I knew I was right with God. I knew when I talked to him, he was going to hear me. I knew my whole life was different. Now, how many times I've messed up since then? Make mistakes, but I'm under grace. So I repent so that I can keep living under grace and accept that. And what the devil wants to do to people is he wants to trick you and think that you've gone back under the curse from the garden because he wants to have dominion over you. And so you're, you're over back over there. You're in your head. You're back over there. Oh, God doesn't love me. He doesn't take care of me. Well, man, you're doing just like the prodigal son was. You've got to come to yourself and realize, wait a minute, I'm saved. I'm in grace. And so therefore, God, I'm going to walk with you. Person gets in unforgiveness, person gets in jealousy, person gets in strife, gets in whatever, whatever's going on. That's taking them out of fellowship unless you can repent and get it under the blood and then let your sins be washed away. Or that sin being the obstacle between you and God. It's a great place to live in grace. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 8. I got a little more here. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh. Now, just stop right there for a second. I don't want to say living under grace is a mindset because that's just that's just really. Really not giving grace credit for what credit is, what it's due. But it says here. That if you, according those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. I want to ask you a question tonight. What's your mind set on? Is your mind set on serving God? Is your mind wanting set on wanting to please God in your actions and your life and everything that you do? Is your mind set on wanting to be a blessing and a servant to others and helping others and rescuing orphans and and, you know, is that what your mind set on or is your mind set on what your flesh wants? Is your mind set on self-centered things in your life? Because, folks, whatever your mind set on, that's what you're going to go for. OK. But it says those who live according to the spirit but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, so when you change your mindset to begin to realize what I'm talking about and you stop living over here in the flesh and setting your mind on the things of the flesh, I won't, I won't, I won't. And now you're saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. When your mindset is, I'm just so happy I'm saved. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You paid my debt. You paid my debt. I'm so happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. You paid my debt. I don't know today. Thank you, Lord. And your mind starts setting on the things of the spirit. Then that's where you're going to start headed. That's what you're going to start learning. That's what you're going to start growing in. That's what you're going to start developing in because the flesh can never please God. But when you get over into the spirit, and you set your mind on the things of the spirit and you set your mind on the revelation. I'm in grace. I'm living in grace. I want to please you. 
Then all of a sudden your whole life changes. Everything turns around. And then all of a sudden, man, now you're walking in what's called walking in the spirit. Let me show you this a little more. First John chapter one, verse seven. First John one, seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we will make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, look what John says here. You can just change a few words. And I'm not trying to change the scriptures, but it means the same thing. It says, if you're going to walk in grace, well, he's right there in the grace and you can have fellowship with one another. He uses the word light, but I'm just putting grace in there to try to get this, this point across to you. And when you have fellowship with one another, you're going to have fellowship with God in this grace. Because if you're over here in works trying to have fellowship with God, you're always going to be condemned. Because God's not over there, the devil is, and he's going to do nothing but condemn you the whole time. Tell you how worthless you are, how you're never going to make it, how you're never going to overcome, how you're never going to be victorious, how you're always going to be ugly and ugly and ugly. That's what the devil's going to do. But if you walk in grace... That's where the spirit of God is. And then that, that's where the fellowship with the light of God is. And that's where you're with him and the blood of Jesus is cleansing you of all your sins. To make you right with him. Because you see, folks, we're not perfect. We haven't obtained perfection yet. We're still in the flesh, in this world that's dominated by the curse. But you can live in this. I know, I know what it's like. It's like when you vacuum seal meat and you put it in there. It can stay in the fridge longer. It's not, air is not going to get in there to it. It's not going to turn. It's not going to turn dark. That's what it is. You're living in grace. You got vacuum sealed in grace. So you're right there fellowshipping with God in this vacuum sealed package. And you're just right there fellowshipping with him. Things are great. Every time you mess up, the blood of Jesus is there to forgive you. You're just walking along with him. You're just confessing. Lord, I'm sorry. I was having some bad thoughts. I was thinking this the other day. I'm sorry, Lord. Whoop, just getting cleansed, cleansed so you can stay in the fellowship with him. That's where we want to live. We do not want to live in the works. We do not want to live in deception. We do not want to live in a place where the devil torments us. So church, I just want to encourage you, man. As you listen to this session, this fourth session tonight, go review the others and you're just starting to build on this. Because see, what I want to go from here is to get you so rooted and grounded in your salvation. Then I can teach you to, that now you can hear God's voice. Now you can walk in the power of God. Now you can walk in the victory that God has already bought for you because you're rooted and grounded in your salvation. You know what salvation is not just getting to heaven. It's the spirit of life coming to live in you. So that's where we're headed in the next sessions in the next weeks. And so, man, I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. I want to ask God just to just sink this down into your heart. So let me pray. Father, I just pray right now 
for each and every person out there listening and watching. Lord God, I just pray tonight that as they heard this word that they're going to get out of works. They're not going to be like the older brother and just be out there living in that, that life. Lord God, and just that away from the Father and not in fellowship. And they're going to come over here into grace. They're not going to live by works, but they're going to live in grace. And that grace is just going to be the place where they fellowship with you, O oh Lord. And that the blood of Jesus cleanses them from all their sins, all their mistakes. And this keeps us in a fellowship with you. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to minister to them. Lord, let this word sink down into their hearts. I ask, Lord God, that all over the world that their, 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 their hands are blessed, their businesses are blessed, their lives are blessed, Lord God, as they walk with you. And that, Lord, that their fellowship becomes so rich and so deep with you. So, Lord, I ask you this night to just bring us back again, together again next week for another session just to learn more and to grow in more in the knowledge of your word. And Lord, I praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.